Welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Every week, we interview founders, marketers, and researchers from innovative brands to learn how they're approaching their role and their category in a clever way. Welcome back to this week's episode of Dig In. I'm super excited. Today, we're going to be talking about um, bringing a different background to your insights practice, um, working in different uh, areas of the business, and now having that acumen and realism makes for uh, better insights work and often makes you a better insights leader. Um, we're bringing Lisa Virginie in today from Mondelez. She's the senior insights manager. Lisa, nice to see you again. Hi, Megan. Nice to see you too. Yeah, it's so funny. So Lisa, actually, um, you worked at Dig for a couple of years, um, and I think yeah. we overlapped, but we overlapped in the time of COVID, which meant that we never actually got a chance to meet. <laughs> um, I never know. I never know what to say to people when I've met them online, but not in person. Have you really yeah. met them? I don't know. But yes, we, we overlapped at Dig for a while, which was an awesome, uh, awesome time in my career. And you've now been at Mondelez for a couple of years? Yeah, uh, almost a couple of years. Yeah, sure, but let's round up and say a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> um, so why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your background um, in business, whether that's research, marketing, um, supplier side, whatever, and um, also what you've been up to at Mondelez. Yeah, for sure. I mean, unlike a lot of insights professionals, I've done a lot of different types of jobs. Um, I started my career many, many years ago, kind of learning the chops or the fundamentals at a research supplier, uh, Ipsos. And that was where, you know, I, I kind of started off and I did that for many years. Um, but I always had a desire to kind of influence decision-making more. And I wanted to kind of move to the client side, get closer to, to decisions. Um, and at that time I moved to Coca-Cola, um, on the insight side. Um, and so, more influencing the business, um, talking with internal brand managers um, and helping them in their day to day. Um, but then even then I wanted to get even closer. I wanted to be those brand managers making the decisions. Um, so I had the awesome opportunity to move into a senior brand manager role working on the vitamin water and smart water brands, which are super fun brands, um, global for sure, but also um, a little bit more flexibility to do kind of local content creation, a lot of local stuff. We weren't as kind of um, like, oh, we weren't as like structured to like adapt global content and stuff like that. So I learned a lot. And, and then again, also learned the business of what marketing really was. Um, sometimes not as sexy as everybody kind of expects. Um, you know, a lot of decision-making for sure, briefing agencies, other internal stakeholders, whereas uh, kind of on the insight side, your stakeholders were for the most part, the marketing team. Now, as part of the marketing team, you got to know the sales function, um, the commercialization function, supply chain, all those different functions, regulatory, legal, or as I sometimes fondly call them, the dream killers of the organization. <laughs> so you oh, kind of gosh. understood <laughs> um, with fondness, with fondness. Um, but you really definitely understood how, you know, you truly get from idea to shelf and all the kind of like um, blocks you need to overcome in order to do that. Um, so then after that, I also, I, so I did, I was at Coke for 10 years, like half the time on insights, half the time in marketing, 
Um, and then I moved to ASICS, um, the running shoe company, nice. um, as the director of marketing there. Um, totally different side, moved from CPG to kind of retail. Yeah, I was going to um, say that's quite different. Yeah, it was really different. And uh, it's a huge brand, but it was a really small organization in Canada. So you, as a director of marketing there, I kind of built the, the foundations of that team, brought in a new roster of, of agencies. Um, a funny story at Coke, it was such a large organization. There were so many kind of people in between experts, which was amazing because you could always lean on them. But at ASICS, it was so streamlined and tight. I remember on one of my first days, um, I had a call with Google, like directly with Google to understand how your how our campaign had performed, which I didn't know about at the time because it was I was just so new. Whereas at Coke, you would have had like an agency, an expert internal person. You had like three right. different people that separated you from talking to Google. And then on day one, I was talking to Google and I remembering, I remember Googling what Google was talking about because I had no idea. <laughs> so it's like, you know, trial by fire, definitely learning through that like area of discomfort. Um, but it was a great experience. And I was there for a couple of years before coming to dig and kind of thinking through what I wanted to do with my career and realizing that I wanted to get back to that like consumer and do like that was really what was kind of in my heart. And so I went all the way back to the supplier side at Dig um, for a few years. And then kind of like if you think about the pendulum of like the marketing team and supplier side research, the kind of like nice, comfortable where I felt really I could add the most value was the in-between, which was the client side insights. And that's when I found uh, my way to Mondelez, which was very much like consumer packaged goods, very comfortable, what I knew and loved from Coca-Cola and, and found my way here to, to kind of build out the consumer insights function. Um, and I've been doing that for a couple of years. So it's a long journey and story of like going and doing different things. And oftentimes I would learn um, or be very uncomfortable. And the fact that I like was like stretching myself into a, area that I didn't really know, but, and that by definition was uncomfortable, but I think, you know, looking back, especially now, those are the times where you learn so much and that all that totally. different learning and experience enabled me and through all these different functions enabled me to be a be better, you know, consultant and insights um, leader now. So. That's really cool. And I think you're totally right. I mean, the different company sizes, different team sizes, like you kind of by proxy then have to deal with different problems um, and it is uncomfortable. Um, so it's cool to hear from someone's perspective who's worked in like big organizations like Coke where, you know, everything, everything kind of runs like clockwork to a certain extent. Um, whereas with at ASICS, it was like building something from the ground up and you got a chance to talk directly to Google. Um, I love that that was like <laughs> such a novelty. I love it. <laughs> um, and now you're actually moving out on your own, right? You're going to start your own consultancy. Yeah, I'm super excited in a couple weeks, actually. I'm, you know, I, I have to admit that a, a bit of the, um, this, the kind of inspiration, I've been thinking about this for a really long time, but like, you know, you get caught caught up in the pandemic. I have two young kids at home and we moved to kind of like shifted into more survival mode of like getting through the day and online schooling and that kind of thing. So I kind of like benched that idea for a few years, 
but now with things settling down and um, you know thinking about my future and what I wanted to do and what I really after all these experiences I kind of you know thought about what I felt really passionate about where I felt I could add a ton of value um, and so I'm going to go out and, and do my own freelancing gig for a little bit um, with all the organizations whether it's small or large or startups you hear a lot of like you know, buzzword things like being consumer centric or being in, insight led. And there's this desire to like put the consumer at the, at the center of everything that we do. But often we're not really sure where to start or how to do that. Right. So um, I think through all the experience I've had, I have a really good handle on what questions you need to ask, what tools you need, what work needs to be done. Um, what's kind of the thinking and even some frameworks of how that comes to life, how you can help, how you can start to like physically do that work in order to be a truly consumer insight led organization brand um, or develop a plan. Um, and through all the experiences that I've had, knowing what marketers are going to go do, how they build plans, what they're going to have to do to you know brief their agencies, how they commercialize innovation. I feel like I bring that, um, you know, that breadth of experience to really truly understand how to be a consultant and help them through that. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's so important. I can imagine like the last time we spoke, uh, there was just such a realism to kind of what you were talking about, like realistically, what does it mean um, to be an insights person to, a, um, as a marketer? Um, or what does it mean to kind of manage that stakeholder relationship in a way that's useful for both parties? Um, yeah. So, yeah, and you mentioned, like, there's so much more to play that how yeah. um, than just, you know, okay, here's the core insight, like, let's run with it. There's so many more uh, hoops you have to jump through, um, so, many, so much more, like, planning that takes place. So it totally makes, yeah. self, makes sense, sorry, yeah. that you would need to... You'd need that um, holistic approach. Yeah, like somewhat controversially, like I don't call myself a research expert because I don't feel that I I'm proud to be a generalist because I, I don't know one thing really, really deep, but I know a lot of things, a lot. And so you lean on your suppliers for their expertise um, and really your role and the, the importance of, of your role, of our role is to be that consultant to the brand team. And often that means like not doing net new research. It doesn't always mean like I'm going to go do, you know, buy this product product from a research supplier. It means sometimes, you know, I'm going to go to, you know, the historical research or I'm going to connect the dots. Like for me, connecting the dots from, from different sources, including, you know, whether, you have Nielsen information, you know, what this, what's going on with the business and how the business is delivering. Um, it's, it's so fundamental to kind of not just do a project, but to truly consult. And sometimes that just means, you know, going to the archives, tracking something down and understanding what level of detailed information um, that they need to hopefully, you know, make a decision. Yeah, I love, um, I feel like in the last, especially 10 years, there's a huge move away from this idea of being a generalist. Um, you have to be really like a specialist in something. Maybe that's more marketing focused than business focused, but I do feel like, you know, people, marketing teams um, within tech at least are hiring like very focused individuals who are experts at like conversion rate optimization, who are experts within 
um, one subset of operations, for instance. Um, what do you feel like? What, what do you feel like makes um, a great generalist? I guess hmm. <laughs> as a question, that's like a, what? Go that's ahead. a good question um, because I think fundamentally you do need like a roster of expert agencies and partners to lean on to be those experts in those kind of more siloed areas. But with there's so much data now, you know, how can you be an, a, like a qualitative expert in understanding and talking to a consumer and then also be an expert in analyzing a huge data set? Like those skills are so fundamentally different that I'd rather rely, kind of understand both those things a little bit, understand what to do with that information, rely on kind of technical agencies to know that in depth but then connect the dots and be able to translate the so what to my internal stakeholder who is even more a generalist. They just want to make a decision. Yeah. They don't know either of those things very deep, but they want to understand what do I do with this information? What's the so what? And so that's the role of the generalist to understand all of those pieces, how to put them together and translate into, you know, what does this mean for the business? What should I do next? So essentially kind of what you're saying is, within the context that you've had experience. So like maybe it's like um, within insights within CPG or FMCG, whatever acronym you choose to use. <laughs> so within insights within that, um, that specific category, it is almost better to be a generalist because the, the key role of that person is often to translate the so what as opposed to being like the expert in specific methodology or even expert at conducting research. Is that fair to say? I mean, that's what I believe. Like that goes back to like fund because I worked in marketing and I see the decisions and I see the kind of internal barriers sometimes that, that marketing um, people have to overcome. Understanding and having a good, like a good um, knowledge of business acumen, how things get done, especially in big CPG companies. I mean, you said before that things happen, you know, really easily. There's a ton of processes. It takes a long time to get things done. Um, but those processes also are exist for a reason and knowing how to navigate them, understanding, you know, how innovation is commercialized through a stages and gates function and what information and stakeholders have to be consulted throughout. All of that helps you be a better consultant to your internal stakeholder because you know what they're having to go through, what information they need to kind of bring to life and make their, you know, kind of as an example, their innovation a reality or to launch it. So I think having that business acumen, which again, is another facet of experience that am I an expert at, you know, business totally. or finance? No, I'm not. But I have a good, you know, working knowledge. I know enough to be dangerous and I know enough to be dangerous in all these other areas that you put it together and it just helps you be a better consultant. I love the way you said that. I know enough to be dangerous. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I mean, this kind of takes me to my next question, which is really around, because when people think insights, they, they think research. And when they think research, they think oftentimes quite like scientific or like numbers driven. But in a previous conversation, we talked about how there is an art to good insights work. Um, what, and maybe this is, you know, what we've just talked about, like that business acumen. Um, but is there anything else that um, 
that sort of jumps to mind when we think about what the art of good insights work would be. Yeah. There's a few things. I, I think the first one is understanding like when you're getting questions from your internal stakeholders, knowing the difference between, um, you know, are they looking for a proof point of, you know, something that's already been sold in and they just need a proof point to like put in a sell in deck or are they looking for like, do they have a bigger strategic question that you want to go and partner with them to do work, to spend time and resources on? That's kind of the first thing. So it's not always about doing net new work, right? It's not about when someone comes to me and asks me a question, it's sometimes about helping facilitate them to be answer, asking the right questions. You know, like if you have someone on your team that's asking like, I need insights, which is like the typical question. It's like, it's never, there's never a good answer for that, right? So it's about like, okay, talk to me, what's going on in your business? What's your business question? And then we'll talk about, what work we need or don't need to do to help you make that decision or find the right information you need. Um, and so often it's not about like, I'm not thinking in advance, like what supplier am I going to go reach out to, to do this work or what research or product am I going to go buy? It's about like, what's your business question? Let's hash that out together in order to, and maybe I don't need to do net new work. Maybe I can like, you know, maybe it's just a conversation and I, you know, I lean on something I've already done before and we, we, we talk it out. Um, but I think that's fundamentally the role, like I would say less than half my, half my time is doing like working with suppliers and doing like research projects, like yeah. probably less than half my time is doing that. That the rest of the time is like as cliche as it sounds, but like, earning a seat at the table where decisions are being made, where, you know, briefings are happening, whether it be business planning, whether it be creative agency briefings, like attending those meetings so that you're bringing to life the voice of the consumer. And that's through research sometimes, but it's just through you knowing the business, you knowing the consumer, you knowing your brands, which goes back to that business acumen, but always having that seat at the table so that you're influencing the business as opposed to, like the days of an insights professional on the client side, sitting sitting during a presentation that a supplier is giving and just kind of facilitating that presentation and then, you know, saying goodbye and going off to do the next project. Like those days are, are gone. Like that's, yeah. you know, sometimes I'll take a, a, a project or a report from a, a supplier and translated to something that looks completely different or sometimes I won't even present most of it to the client like it's just helping them like what do they need to facilitate making their business decision um, and connecting the dots of information sometimes we already have to help them do that. Yeah that's um, definitely been echoed by a lot of the we've been speaking to a lot of different CPG insights and marketing folks the last few months and that's definitely been echoed this idea of like sitting in on a meeting and um, yeah, just trying to speak to the data. Like that's not at all what the role of an insights person should be or, or yeah. is anymore. Um, yeah. So I hear that. Um, and I love the point you made about, you know, it's not about doing that new research a lot of the time. It's about connecting the dots. Yeah. If, if we think about when you, do have those people come to you and say, I need insights. Um, and <laughs> you're thinking, okay, we, I actually, I'm probably going to need to run some 
some tactical research to answer some of those questions. Yeah. Obviously the conversation moves to some more potentially DIY solutions, um, platforms. We've got our own upside. There's so many out there right now. Um, what, what is the challenge of sort of working with those types of tools um, or anything sort of experimental like that? What, what is the challenge, I guess, within a company like Mondelez? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's funny because the last time I worked in Insights before coming to Mondelez was like five, six years ago, where there weren't a lot of those DIY tools out there. So having come back to the side, I was, I was pretty shocked at how much was going on. And I mean, it's amazing because it's so fast. The information is at your fingertips. It's much cheaper from a budget perspective. Um, so on one side, that's really great because you can get like answer some of those tactical questions really fast. Um, now on the kind of flip side though, it means insights departments, which are shrinking. Like if I remember 20 years ago, you know, they would have been double the size, give or take than they are right now. And DIY tools by definition require doing it yourself, as opposed to me calling up for oh, sure, paying more for, for, or, but me calling up a, a supplier and saying, I need you to do this. And it would all kind of be done. So while it's cheaper, which helps us stretch our budgets more, it also requires a bit more heavy lifting, which, you know, has been a learning experience. Um, the other thing I've noticed too about DIY is that a lot of like traditional bigger research companies are having to streamline their services and products to compete with those DIY products. So they're not offering as many as like large consultative, like for sure also they're more reasonable to do those same big projects, but they're much more streamlined, less consulting, um, in order to compete with the DIY tools. So that is creating a bigger gap between, you know, the stuff we want to do DIY um, and the more foundational, bigger strategic projects that still need to happen, have much bigger price tags and just require a little bit more searching to find the right partners out there. Yeah. Um, I've definitely heard other people speak to like the, um, what you just talked about in terms of streamlining and how it can be a blessing and also it can be a bit of a, a bit of a curse. Um, yeah. So thanks for that. Um, I did want to touch on the fact that you're starting your own business. Um, obviously you've had so much experience across lots of different companies, um, but big companies. And as you said, they have, they have processes in place for a reason. Is there anything that you're going to do well, obviously you're going to do loads differently because you're starting your own business. Um, and there's, you know, you're not working on, um, the, the client side, but what do you specifically want to do differently in terms of your approach mm -hmm. to client work, um, your approach to research, your approach to kind of being customers or consumer centric? Um, mm -hmm. yeah. What kind of springs to mind for you? For me, it's like connecting again, connecting the dots, but this is also, for me, I feel there's a white space within the industry of taking the traditional consumer work, whether it be research, whether it be data, and there's a lot more of that stuff out there and ways to access it. And use you want to translate to help make decisions. 
But the, the ways in which you translate a lot of disparate, different kinds of data into decision-making tools or enablers is difficult. It's easier said than done. So I, I love the idea and through my career is like, how do we bring to life? How do we use frameworks or tools or visualizations to help facilitate what I've just said, but sometimes it's easier said than done. So that's what I feel, you know, given my experience and given what I've seen out there, given the plethora of data and insights and all the different places where you can get it. Um, I love the idea is using those frameworks in, in order to facilitate decision-making, translating into the so what, um, via conversation, via workshop, but then those frameworks and tools that you can do to, to, to make that really simple for internal stakeholders. So that's for me, I think that there's a real, like whether it's a large organization or even whether there's a, it's a startup small company that might not have an insights function even. Um, and they're wondering like, how do I be consumer oriented? How do I be consumer and insight based and fact based? And then they're overwhelmed with all the data and information out there. So I think I can really play a role given my experience in marketing, but then also on the supplier side, knowing the tools and suppliers and the, the ways in which you can kind of access different things in a really cool and different way. So I see there's a big opportunity there. And also, like I said before, insights functions are crunched, are being crunched as like, you know, often they, it's called non-working dollars. So their budgets are being crunched and often their departments are being crunched and they're overwhelmed, they're busy. They don't have sometimes the time to do that strategic alone time thinking to help think about the future, think about like what we can do differently. And I, I feel like, you know, I'd like to take some time to help them, you know, have that time as well to do that thinking and partner with them to do it. Is there any um, framework in particular you want to shout out right now? Like anything we can link people to that they could explore that you find particularly mm. useful? I None spring to mind. And honestly, I, I feel like everything has to be adapted for what you're trying to do. Right. Like there's no like turnkey, the turnkey solution. Like, I don't know if that exists really because you need to, for sure, there's a lot of like things and frameworks and, you know, whether it's consumer profiling or whatever, like there's lots of different things you can use, but it has to be adapted because it's not one size fits all. So, and plus I couldn't like tell you all my trade secrets. Yeah, I was going to say, is this like giving away all of your secrets? <laughs> tell us your frameworks, Lisa, please. <laughs> um, okay, this has been super fun. Um, I love how like honest and, and to some extent blunt you are. It's um, always really nice to talk to someone who just kind of says it like it is. So I've got a few rapid fire questions for you yes. um, to finish Ready. up with. Okay, number one, if you gained two times your budget tomorrow, so doubled your budget tomorrow, um, I guess let's assume you're still at Mondelez. What would you spend it on? Uh, for sure, it would be some kind of connection with consumers. Ethnographies, shop-alongs, it's been like two years that we haven't really been able to actually see consumers in action. You know, we've had like been able to do online focus groups and that kind of thing, but it's not the same. And I've always throughout my career, always wanted to do that kind of connection with the consumer just for the sake of it, not, not to answer a business question, not to like, 
you know, find out something really specific, but just for the sake of connecting with our consumers on an ongoing basis, and not just for me, for the entire marketing team, just to remind ourselves, like, this is what their lives are all about. Often you think so much about them and you forget that they don't think about you that much. So it's just like a good reality check to keep you really super grounded on what's going on with consumers. So that's what I would do. And if you lost half of your budget tomorrow, what would you have to get rid of? Oof. Um, probably, I mean, right now, there are a lot of contractual um, agreements I have with, um, you know, a, a supplier that is, um, I mean, I'm just going to say it, it's Nielsen. Um, and oh, yeah. Nielsen, And I mean, it's funny because I've because I've worked heavily with that supplier and with that data, it's so fundamental to any kind of brand building and understanding your business. Um, but I think that we have some, if you really understand the tool, um, there are some places where we could cut in order to do yeah. more of that foundational. Like I always, I always think about, you know, looking at your budget backwards looking versus forwards looking. And it's really important to be backwards looking and to analyze your business and to know what were the drivers and drains of, you know, what drove your business or didn't, but it needs to be balanced with forward looking, strategic, thinking about the future, what's next. Um, and I think often the budgets are not balanced and it's a little bit more too much backwards looking and we need to put, continue to push the envelope to be more forwards looking. So that's probably what I would do. Okay. And what is the tool at your organization that's adding the most value right now? Um, that for sure is like, I've, I've actually had a fun time being back on insights because it's been, I've, I've kind of uncovered all these new tools and suppliers that are doing these amazing things. Um, and the one that I've enjoyed the most actually is doing um, video ethnographies. You know, it's very, it's, it's a DIY platform. Um, they do it's self kind of, um, you know, the self you, you use the user uploads their own ethnography. So it's, it's not expensive. It's kind of cheap to do. Like box pop me. Um, yeah, like exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I, what I really like about that tool is that often, you know, but if budgets are crunched, you know, you need to do the bigger fact-based, you know, numbers research, but you, you forego sometimes that qualitative work that brings to life in real time and you that you can see the consumer so we actually just recently did um a big kind of consolidation of what's going on with inflation and i know i i'd spoken to marcy at dig and you guys did some great work on inflation um but what i what i did as well is brought that to life doing vox pop me right. talking to real consumers about what's going on with their life how they're dealing with inflation and i think it was so eye-opening for us as you know, the entire marketing team to truly see, like you can see the facts and you know the numbers behind how consumers are reacting. But when they really talk about what's going on with their life, what they're having to forego, how they're struggling, it was super eye-opening and, and important to kind of really truly feel um, what was going on. So I, I love the idea of, again, going back to connecting the dots and like kind of putting the pieces together and, and bringing to life the world of, of the consumer is, was really cool. Amazing. And one final question, what is the most important skill for an insights professional to have in their toolkit right now? 
For me, that's that's easy. And we talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, it's business acumen and being able to know what's going on in the business, understanding different tools, you know, controversially being a generalist, you know, not maybe yeah. not having an expertise in everything, but knowing everything enough to be dangerous and to kind of put the pieces together and help figure out the so what. And to do that, I think you need a great roster of expert partners. So I rely on suppliers to be the experts in their areas, um, because if you're not, then you, and data is changing so often, like there's so much information out there that you really need that expert roster um, of suppliers to lean on, um, to build relationships with, um, to, you know, onboard them to your business problems and to your business so that they can be great consultants to you and help you do a better job. Um, so those, those are the kind of two things, business acumen and a great roster of like expert um, suppliers and agencies. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lisa. This is, uh, this has been great. I, I wish you luck with the new, thank the new you. Gig. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. This has been awesome. I really, I mean, I probably could talk about this for forever. I feel I super know. passionate about it, but this is, uh, it's been fun and it's been great to reconnect. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye, Megan. Bye. Thanks for tuning in this week. Find us on LinkedIn at Dig Insights. And don't forget to hit subscribe for a weekly dose of fresh content.